Am I on? Hey, I'm on. Um, yep, so I'm Rick, I, or Ricky. Um, I actually said that too quickly once in a meeting. I said, hi, my name's Rick or Ricky, and now there's still people who call me Rick or Ricky as my actual name. Um, yeah, I haven't met all of you. I have used to lead youth here a few years ago, and then I've only just come back about a term ago. Um, so a bunch of you don't know me, and I don't know a bunch of you. Um, I'd be keen to meet you. Um, but what's important about what happens here and now is not that you know me. Um, I'm not the important part of what's happening right now. Uh, God's word is. What we just heard Rachel read out for us is God's word, and that's the important about what's happening tonight. So if you don't remember after tonight that my name's Rick or who I am or what I've like, looked like or anything, that's fine. If you remember what I've said and what God said in here, that, that's what's important. If you, if you take away what God has said in his word, I'll be stoked. Now, last week, if you were here, um, might need a little bit of a reminder if you weren't here, we looked at Ephesians 1 where we saw that the big plan of God is to bring everything under Christ and that at the moment, this is happening in the church. So all of us who call ourselves Christians, who trust in Jesus... We are under Christ, and God is doing a work, his big work over all of history, creation, everything, is to bring everything under Christ, and us, as a part of the church, are a part of that. Now, for most of tonight, I'll be talking to those people who are Christians, who do call themselves uh, one of God's children, who, who trust in Jesus. If that isn't you tonight, that's okay. As, as Lucy has said, and if you've been here before, as other people will have said, we're just stoked that you're here. We're, we're stoked that you're here and willing to hang out and, and hopefully you'll have some fun. Um, but what we're really keen for you is to think about this stuff. Think about who Jesus is, if he is who he says he is, um, if what the Bible says is true about humanity. Uh, we want you to think about that stuff. And so when I'm talking uh, to Christians, don't hear me as saying, you need to do this and you need to do that. That's, that's not what you need to do. You need to work out if this stuff is true and if you need to come to God. Um, I want you to get a picture of what it means to be a Christian, but yeah, don't hear what I'm saying or what God is saying here as you have to do this good stuff and that means you're a Christian. Um, but for those who are, of us who are Christians, there's something that is really important that is being said here, and that's what, we, what God wants our lives to look like now that we are saved. And what God is saying in here is that for us, God wants us to grow to be more like Jesus. Now, if you've been around here for a while, that sounds pretty simple and pretty obvious. It's like, yeah, okay, I'm supposed to grow to be more like Jesus. But what Paul does here, what, what God has given to us in this, is he gives us a bit of an explanation of how we're supposed to do that. So, the first way that we see that, oh, and just quickly, I wrestled with like what I thought the main point of this passage and how I was going to bring this to you guys tonight for a while, and I've changed the, the nuance of it and what I think it's saying all week. What I'm saying tonight is that God wants you to grow, to be more like Jesus. I didn't choose the word grow because we're doing EV grow. That I worked out after, and it, it's not like I planned that. It's just that I really legitimately think that's what this passage is saying. So it's not planned, but what I would further, the first thing... I want you to see is that God wants you to be growing to be like Jesus in serving. So, have a look at verses 11 and 12 if you have your Bible there. 
So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, there's a whole lot of people in the start of that verse. There's the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. We're not going to spend a whole lot of tonight digging into what each of those roles mean. That's, I, I was, when I was looking at this passage, I, I was trying to work out each of the different roles and I don't think it's ultimately important to the, what we need to take home from it. Basically, they're all leaders in God's church and they're teaching God's people his word. That, that in different ways, they're bringing God's word to God's people. Um, the important thing for us to pull away, because not all of us here are leaders, it's, we're just not. But if you have a look at verse 12, to equip his people for works of service. If you're a Christian, you are his people. So that's where this is going to apply for us. Now, what is God saying? That God has given, that Jesus has given all of those people, all of those leaders, to us for works of service. Now, when you do things like this, when you start to dig into the Bible, words like serving can start to lose their meaning. And so I'm just going to go through a quick explanation of what serving is because it can sound a bit like just a Christian word after a while that loses any of its meaning. Serving, in a general sense, means doing something for somebody else, in a general sense. Now, often it has some sort of connotation or bringing along with it, some that you're doing... it's not necessarily comfortable to you that you're serving them. It's not that you're doing it for them because it makes you happy. It's you're doing it for their good. And people serve in our society all the time. There's heaps of little ways that people serve. So, well, not little ways. They're big ways, but heaps of various ways that people serve. So I was trying to think of one that I do I don't do that much, I've realized, in general sense, which makes me feel pretty bad. But the only one I could think of is I give blood. That's a way that I serve. I don't like giving blood. I hate needles. Like, giving blood, you have to get, They prick your finger. That hurts. I don't really know why they do that. Then they stick a needle in your arm for ages. That hurts. But if you, if you haven't given blood, do it, even though my plug is not doing a very good job. They stick a needle in your arm for a while. That hurts the whole time. Well, for me, it does. Afterwards, you get a muffin and a milkshake, which is kind of one of the reasons that I do it, because you get a free muffin and milkshake. But that's a small service that I do for the general good. It gives blood to somebody else who needs it. But there's a bunch of people who actually, with their whole lives, do a much better job than I do for general society in that sense. Like, people teach. People don't necessarily always enjoy teaching, but they think it's an important thing that kids and teenagers learn about life and learn about how to read, learn all these different things. And so at times it's painful and it's, and it's hard. Police officers, doctors, nurses, there's all these various people that serve our society. Now, is that what God's talking about here? Does God want all of his people here to go do those sorts of things? It should one of the take-home messages from today be that you go and give blood, or if you're in year 12, it's like, well, I'm changing my degree, I'm going to go teach, or I'm going to go, <laughs> it's the Central Coast, everyone puts down teaching, um, <laughs> sorry, or like a doctor or something, like, you, is that what God wants you to do here? Well, no, have a look at verse 12, 
to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, if you didn't love English, there's a couple of words there that are really important. To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Now, the body of Christ is the church. The type of service that God is talking about here is the service that builds up the church. It's not just any service. It's not like you can just choose something that is sacrificing for yourself to give to somebody else. It's, it's anything that can help to build up God's church. And God wants you to be growing to be more like Jesus in that. Now, if you've spent much time here, then you'll know that Jesus gives the ultimate example, real example of service, of self-sacrificial service. Jesus laid down his life so that his enemies could be right with God, so they could spend eternity in God, with God in, in heaven. It's, that, that's incredible. That is the ultimate service. So, we have the ultimate example in Jesus. God wants us to grow to be more like Jesus in that. And there are so many ways that we can do that here. You can do so many things as part of EV. That's one of the great things about being part of EV Youth, is there are so many things that you can do to actually help build up the body of Christ. Not heaps of youth groups have that. And it's a really exciting thing that we've had some great people uh, yeah, put work in, put, people uh, help set up membership teams and, and, and music and, and product and all these different things that help us all learn about God, to, to worship Him, to connect in new people. And there are so many ways that you can do that. Now... Notice that one, in my main point, it says God wants you to grow more like Jesus in serving. So if you hear this and you go, oh, yeah, I'm already on a team, so I'm good. I'll wait for the next point. Well, no. God wants you to grow. It's not like you've got your thing and you've ticked the box and now you're done. I'm not like that. Your leaders aren't like that. We, you could either do another ministry or you can grow in the way that you do that ministry or you could... There's a whole range of ways that you can grow in your ministry. But, and I don't know if this is you, but it was definitely me at your age. I had a couple of things. So I, I uh, taught at EV Kids when I was in youth group. And I had that as my one thing. I ticked it off. And then on Friday nights, I did nothing. I didn't, I didn't talk to, to new people. I didn't, there was a whole range of things that I didn't do because I thought, well, I'm doing my one thing. I'm good. Just because you don't have a role of helping connecting new people or whatever it is, doesn't mean that it's not something that you should do. If God wants you to grow to be more like Jesus in serving, then that means formal stuff, like the things that you're in teams for, but it also means informal stuff, like just going up to and chatting to someone who, who's by themselves or whatever it is, encouraging each other. If someone is struggling to read their Bible or they're struggling with something, serving them is to come alongside them and to help them see God and how to live for God and, and how God helps them in that situation. There's no formal ministry that is among you guys that goes and finds the people that are hurting and it's, it's just something that we do. And so God wants you to grow in serving. 
Be thankful, though, as well for your leaders. When your leaders say things to you, like, hey, have you ever thought about serving? Don't push back at that and go, well, no, no, no. Don't just, yeah, freak out every time your leaders do those things. Your leaders are put there by Jesus to help encourage you in those things. So when they do, listen. God wants you to be growing like Jesus in your serving. And there's way more that we could say to, that I could say that this passage is bringing out to us that we just can't get to tonight. So continue to talk about this stuff with each other later. But the second thing is that God wants you to be growing like Jesus in unity. Now, uh, jump into verse 13. Uh, Actually, I'll read from verse 12. It's all connected, so it's not going to make much sense if we just take verses out of context. Uh, To equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God wants you to become more like Jesus in unity. Now, when I was reading that, that sounded like a really odd thing to say, that, um, because have a look down there, the idea of all of this, of our unity, is to grow into the full, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So it's not like I'm just making it up that God wants us to grow into being like Jesus in this, in our unity. It's it's in verses 13 and the verses around it. So why would God, all throughout this, use Jesus as an example of unity? Because Jesus... This doesn't take much to work out. Jesus was one person. And so it's not really that hard to have unity if it's just you. Like, that's the easiest type of unity to have. But there's something that is about, Je- that, about Jesus that is totally different from us that we need to grow to be more like him. We have conflict because of our selfishness. All types of conflict come from pretty much that one thing, our selfishness. Whenever at school... I had a fight with a friend or I just didn't even have a fight with them. I just didn't want to talk to them anymore because didn't, we didn't get along or I didn't yeah, really like them, which is, now that I think about it, really mean. Um, that was because of my selfishness. I didn't have unity with that person because of my selfishness. God wants us to grow more like Jesus in our unity because that's the exact opposite of Jesus. Jesus isn't selfish. As we saw before, Jesus is the ultimate example of a servant if anyone is there to tell us what it looks like to be, to, to have unity, to, to not be driven by selfish motivations, it's going to be Jesus. Now, I notice that among, in my own heart that sometimes it is hard to have unity with people around me. That here is something that God wants us to be working on. But it's become a big catch cry at the moment among Christians that we should just have unity. And that's where they kind of finish it. That we should just be united with anyone who says that they believe in God. They believe in Jesus. Yep, we have unity with them. Paul goes a little bit further here. Have a look again in verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God. So it's not just unity for unity's sake. It's, it's not even just unity because both of us say Jesus. Because 
we see in the Bible that there's people who say they believe in Jesus, they say they're living for Jesus, they say they've believed the gospel, but they haven't. Paul gives us two helpful markers to say what actually we should be having unity over. It should be the faith, the trusting in Jesus, and it should be in the knowledge of the Son of God, of Jesus. It should be both believing in Jesus, trusting in him for our salvation, but then he included knowledge. It's not just enough to say, I believe in Jesus, but it's important to believe in the right Jesus, in the knowledge of the Son of God. We can't just say that we, we both believe in Jesus, therefore we should have unity. If my Jesus says that I have to do things, if I, I believe in a Jesus where I think, sorry, I have to do things to be right with God, then I wouldn't be believing in the right Jesus. And that's, that's a place where we shouldn't have unity. We should be having unity with the church, with those who are truly God's people. Now, that is a challenge to us still. We can put a few provisos on that, but we as a church don't have the best reputation for unity with other Christians. Now, sometimes that's undeserved. Sometimes it's because we're a bigger church and people see us and think that because we're a bigger church, we think we're better than other people and we've caused this disunity. That's completely unfounded. But sometimes, because we have such a strong emphasis on the truth, which is a good thing, that can cause us, and I, again, I'm speaking from my own experience, to be proud and to kind of just dismiss other Christians from other churches. We have unity with hundreds of Christians across the coast in other churches that aren't here. There are plenty of other churches who do believe that Jesus is God and believe in the true gospel. And there's unity that you guys can be working on here, that you guys can be growing to be more like Jesus in. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever kind of looked at what seniors looks like, but there's like a giant hole in the middle, which exists not just practically here right now, but it's in the way that all of you guys talk afterwards as well. And it's, I, I feel it as well. We like talking to our friends. We like talking to those people that we know, that we have fun with. But there's heaps of people here that you can be encouraging, that you share this faith, this knowledge with, that I'm guessing you haven't talked to. Now, one of the great things about God telling us that he wants us to grow is that it reminds us that God knows that we suck at it or that we could move forward in it. We don't have to feel awkward about admitting that we actually have a way to go with this stuff. That's kind of the point. God saved us because we suck, because we have things that aren't the way they should be. And so when you hear this, don't think, oh, that really sucks, but I'm just going to ignore it because that kind of hurts to, to self-analyze that much and to, to go out and chat to people. Encourage each other. Maybe get a couple of people and go chat to a group of people you don't know. You guys have a time, and it's not just like this random thing that we decided to fill time with called disciple time. It's not like we just didn't have enough in the night 
to fill. And so we were like, well, let's just have a thing, we'll call it disciple time, and we'll just get people to chat for a bit. We do that out there. If that's what we wanted, we would just have more time hanging out out there. No, we've made something called disciple time for a reason, so that you guys can encourage each other across the years, so that year 10s, year 11s, year 12s can all hang out and encourage each other. Because you guys do, for a lot of you, if you are a Christian, have the same faith. You do have the same knowledge. Encourage each other. Have unity there. Grow to be more like Jesus in your unity. Lastly, God wants you to be growing to be more like Jesus in your maturity. Now, check out verse 14. We saw it in verse 13. Let's go from verse 14 as well. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. There we see we're supposed to grow into the mature head, Christ. Now, why does God want you to mature? Because, again, it's our culture's sort of thing to delay maturing as much as possible. We like to, yeah, we don't want to think about that. We, we like just being kids as long as we can. That's why my youth boys would know I freak out about the fact that I'm getting older because I want to still be a kid. And it freaks me out that I'm not anymore and I'm really not. Like, really not. I'm going grey, it's really bad. But we are supposed to mature. God wants us to mature. So why does God want that for us? Why does God want us to mature? Well, firstly, maturing means that we're going to keep growing. We're going to keep growing up as it says here, into Christ. And the way that we do that is by digging into God's word, growing deeper into that, by knowing God deeper, by studying his word. Not just to have the fleeting moments at at youth and at church where you look at it, but actually studying it, growing deeper in it. Again, encouraging and challenging each other in it. Now, why should you do that? Check out verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Now, he gives a pretty good example here. Like, I don't have to come up with an example, a real-life example of what that looks like because he does it right here. It's like being a little kid stuck in the waves and you're getting blown every which way. I don't know if that was you as a kid. I, I, I just like to think that I'm good at stuff and I'm really not, like... If you know me at all, you know that I'm not a fit person. It's just not, I'm not at all. And, but as a kid, I was like, I'm not going to swim in the rock pool. I'm going to swim where the waves are. And I was not fit enough to swim against any wave at all. But I was like, yeah, no, I'm going to do it. And so I got pulled out with the rip. And I think it was about 20 minutes or half an hour. I never threw my hand up in the air. Like I was told that all like as a kid, you're supposed to put your hand up. I knew I was in a rip. But I was like, no, 
maybe I'll work my way back. Maybe I'll just be fine. And like, you know how they say you come round and you get closer to the beach? That wasn't happening. Like, I was just going further and further out. And it, I was just like, well, this is just going to suck. Like, and I was old enough to know better. And my parents had made me wear, you are a pro actually, this is probably getting cool again, which is really sad. But this like really fluoro yellow cap. And it was bad. Like, I hated wearing it. And it was so uncool then. But my parents made me wear it. And it saved my life. Because some random dude saw me out in the waves. And he had to come get me. He didn't have to, he did. He saved my life, I would be dead. Um, <laughs> but it was scary. I was too proud to actually ask for help, but it was scary, and I was getting pushed every which way. Now, it's possible for that to happen in our lives and us not even notice it. I don't know if you've noticed this, but and you might not have been thinking about it long enough to know, but our culture sort of goes in these trends where it just pushes in certain directions. And at the moment, it's pushing to, towards a trend, which you may have heard us say here before, that it doesn't really matter deep down what you think. As long as you're a good person, you try real hard, you'll be fine. That's wrong. That's just not right. You can't... It's called postmodernism. You can't just think that you'll be fine no matter what, and it actually be true. Like... It doesn't make sense for two people who have completely contradicting beliefs about how we become right with God, or even that there is a God, both be right. That doesn't make any sense. But there are churches, or people who call themselves Christians, who, who have started to go down that track and say, oh no, it doesn't really matter. We had at my uni a fellowship of Christians and Muslims, which was supposed to come together and uh, have unity over the fact that we all believed in one God. And we all believed that Jesus was a real person. And we were supposed to have unity over that. And there was heaps of Christians going along to that. And I'm not saying that I'm anti-Muslim. I have friends who are Muslim, and it's not that at all. But in an eternal sense, we don't believe the same thing. We can't say that we do at all. But culture is pushing that way, and if you're not maturing, if you're not digging into the Bible, if you're not encouraging and challenging each other, if you're not growing to be more like Jesus in your maturity, then you will just go along with what the culture is telling you to do. What the culture, what the world around you is just telling you to think. What other churches want you to think when it may not be what God is actually teaching. We need to be digging deep into God's word so that we know what he's actually taught us. And God wants us to do all of these things. God wants us to be growing more like Jesus in maturity, in unity, and in serving, as we saw here, for the building up of the body, for the building up of the church. If God's big picture if his big plan, if his big purpose in everything is to bring everything under Christ, and we as the church are the only way of being part of this church, if we have the only message that can bring people into being under Christ without facing judgment, then we need to be doing that. We need to be growing. If you're someone who doesn't call yourself a Christian here, 
we want that for you. We want you to be able to come under Christ. And that's why we do this. Again, as I said earlier, if you're not a Christian, hear this not as your way to be saved, but hear this as what us Christians are being challenged by God to do. If you are a Christian here tonight, I can guarantee you can grow in all three of those things, in serving, in unity, and in maturity. Too often, we just pretend like we don't, or we don't really dig down into why we don't. God wants that for you. He's given us his word. He's given us the church so that we can do it. Now, I'm going to pray in a sec, but I, I would love it if you guys tonight could not just go out into the foyer and not discuss this stuff again, not think about it again, even if it's not tonight, even if it's sometime in the next couple of days, challenge each other or tell each other how you personally feel that you need to be growing to be more like Jesus, how God is calling you to be more like Jesus. I'm going to pray in a sec. Now, it would be really great if that happened. Um, if you do have questions, if you're someone who isn't a Christian, who isn't trusting in Jesus and you've got questions, uh, chat to one of the leaders here or to one of your mates. And if you are someone who is a Christian, don't let it just be the thing where you hear this tonight. Think that, yeah, that's, that's yeah, I really do need to do that and then forget it by tomorrow. That when somebody asks you who wasn't here, oh, what was the talk on? It's like, um, Rick got stuck in a rip once. Um, that was funny. And that's all I remember. Think about this stuff. Keep challenging each other.